Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Outkick 360 is back. Welcome into the show across the Outkick Network alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Kuharski. I'm Jonathan Hutton, David Reed, and Jakob Swanson making this show happen for us. Sarah Triplett, our production assistant. Lance Lee on assignment. Gentlemen, good morning. Please Time to get after it. Hold your applause till the end. Yeah, until the, <laughs> till the very end. Good to be here. Yeah. Fired up, ready for a big day. Plenty of big, big storylines to discuss. Well, yeah, the biggest uh, I think we could talk about for all two hours if we, if yeah. we wanted to because there's so many vines to this NCAA Supreme Court decision and what's going to happen to college sports and how fast it's going to happen because uh, the world as we know it in college sports is changed. Well... We, we know things have been going on behind the scenes for years and years, right? Like the, the underbelly of college sports, especially at the highest level, it's don't ask, don't tell. And, and now it's for the taking with the Supreme Court ruling. And now the NCAA with the name, image, likeness laws and, and, and rules coming into effect, they have to tread lightly on how they structure that as a governing body for fear of lawsuits after yesterday's ruling. And they're meeting today and tomorrow about things with their their overall uh, the, the, the decision makers I think for they're the NCAA. Tread very lightly. They're their gonna, board of directors. They're gonna, uh, we're talking about baseball grip. I mean, their grip is gonna be so tenuous and so soft, I think. They're gonna wimp out on all of these fronts. They're not gonna try to seize any control. I, I don't think we're beyond the point where they can wrangle this stuff in. And with so much change now, I don't think they well, could if they wanted. They they have to come up with a structure to this and a plan for this for two reasons in my mind. Number one, if they want to be a governing body moving forward. Because right now the only thing they do well is the NCAA tournament. Yeah. Everything else, that's it. I mean, it, you, you could go about your, your day as a, as a massive conference, as a you know, Power Five conference, whatever you want to do, and govern yourself. But the governing aspect of it is important because right now it's a state-by-state -state free for all with yeah. NIL. I don't and, understand how you can go forward with that. And to me, you have to have some structure. And, and there is some language within this where they, they can still have a framework to work within. They, as a governing body, they, they can make rules and regulations where um, and one of the Supreme Court justices yesterday, I, I can't remember who it was, um, said, it may have been Kavanaugh, said that they, they want to argue, oh, you can put anything under the headline of educational purposes. I brought up the idea of needing the car to get to school. And it was written down yesterday <clears throat> as one of the opinions. is like, look, they can still put in a Lamborghini rule where you're not allowed to use that as an educational form of payment. 
So th there are still th there are still ways for them to structure what is rules education? and regulations, but it's nowhere near or close to what it has been in the past. And they're going to get challenged. This thing's oh, going yeah. to go to court and go yes. to court and go to court. Well, and, uh, and uh, we actually have basically the summation, if you can find it, Jacob, of, and Jay Bill has tweeted this out, and it's just a segment of Brett Kavanaugh's statement on everything with the Supreme Court. Keep in mind, this was a 9-0 vote. Right. And it says, I think this really sums things up well in terms of how the Supreme Court views the NCAA's business, but also now where the NCAA's business is going to go, which will be at a detriment to the schools. To be sure, the NCAA and its member, member colleges maintain important traditions that have become part of the fabric of America. Game days in Tuscaloosa and South Bend, the packed gyms and stores in Durham, the women's and men's lacrosse championships on Memorial Day weekend, track and field meets in Eugene, the spring softball and baseball World Series in Oklahoma City and Omaha, the list goes on. But those traditions alone cannot justify the NCAA's decision to build a massive money-raising enterprise on the backs of student-athletes who are not fairly compensated. Nowhere else in America can businesses get away with agreeing not to pay their workers a fair market rate on the theory that their product is defined by not paying their workers a fair market rate. And under ordinary principles of antitrust law, it is not evident why college sports should be any different. The NCAA is not above the law. That sums up the Supreme Court's take on everything that goes on with the NCAA. And they're not wrong. And everything that he's saying is absolutely correct. And, and Brett Kavanaugh went on to say, you know, you can't have a hospital and claim we're going to pay nurses less because it's a purer form of health care. You can't have a restaurant and say we're going to pay chefs and uh, serving staff less because it's a better form of a restaurant. Because customers prefer it that Because way. customers prefer their chef being paid less. That, that's not a construct that could exist any longer. Law firms cannot conspire to cabin lawyers' salaries in the name of providing legal services out of a, quote, love of the law. <laughs> I, I thought, I thought Brett really Kavanaugh good. made great points and really put it in a real life, things like that, that made a lot of sense for people. And he's right. And legally, he's right. But he's also opened up the door saying, if you've got other lawsuits, come on. So now what is to stop a bunch of people filing a class action lawsuit claiming money that they're owed for fair market rate? They're going to go and look at the finances, state universities, their finances are out there, the amount of, amount of money they made in a certain sport. If you got together with your college basketball teammates at Michigan, and it's all out there, this is how much money we made in that run to two national championship games in this time, and we filed a class action lawsuit against the NCAA and the University of Michigan for money that should have been made in a fair market, they might win. And then other teams may claim the same thing. They might win. These are the unintended consequences of these rules. It looks great on its face. And the Supreme Court is right in what they're saying about free market and business. The unintended consequences, they're going to bankrupt schools. Yeah. Sports are going to go away. The same people arguing that there needs to be compensation for college athletes are also a lot of the same people that would claim Title IX is a good thing. It's great that young men and women have a chance to go to college on scholarship, further their education, and play sports. Those sports are going away. 
It's not just scholarships going away. If they start suing and there are settlements that happen and schools are having to pay football and basketball what they're worth in terms of revenue, let's take this to the free market. The argument is you pay them because a free market dictates it. This is a country built on a free market. Fine. When you do that and it's a free market, schools are only going to keep the sports that make money in their free market. And if it's costing them a ton, see a women's bowling, see a lacrosse. Golf, everything. See a, a we, Olympics. We have an intern that plays a women's field hockey. See a Richmond field hockey. See a later softball in a lot of places. See a later baseball in a number of places. They're only going to have the sports left that make money for the school. And I don't think that's the intended consequence of people that are seeking compensation, but that's what could happen. Yes. And this is where the NCAA, and I have zero faith, and I imagine you guys don't have much either, is charged with a very difficult thing of following this ruling and saving college sports as we know them where all these other sports don't go away, right? I don't think any of us are saying we don't want college golf to exist. We don't want people to be able to go to, to good schools and get scholarships or partial scholarships to play what they grew up loving and to have that college experience in volleyball or women's basketball or softball or, or whatever, college baseball, which we're in the World Series of now. But do we think the NCAA is clever enough, crafty enough, in short order, to come up with a method where it abides by this and shares the wealth, so to speak, and at the same time preserves those sports and and operates under Title IX. Let me let, and let me who be does clear it go to this. for guidance on it's, that? How do we abide by Title IX and abide this, by this ruling? This is nothing. This is very easy to follow. I mean, this is this is where the NCAA gets no sympathy from me or anyone else. They could have easily compromised on this Years ago. a long time ago and not been so hard headed and taken this thing to the Supreme Court where everyone knew what the Supreme Court was going to do going into this because of antitrust laws, because of, uh, we knew how the ruling was going to go. The NCAA didn't. Now, because they wouldn't compromise on this, they have opened the door for every type of lawsuit imaginable that will bankrupt sports. Wild West. Sports will leave schools that don't make money. It's going to happen. Mark it down. It's going to happen. But... I think, Paul, this, this ruling's easy to follow. It was ridiculous that a college athlete couldn't get a paid internship oh, like absolutely. a normal student. It's ridiculous that a kid who couldn't afford a laptop couldn't, couldn't be given a laptop by the Ohio State football program, for instance, or wherever they're playing. It, ridiculous. They could have compromised on this. This part of the legislation is going to be easy. Schools will be able to navigate this. Educational expenses tied to education, you're going to get every benefit possible. They've been doing it in a number of ways for a while with this. This isn't hard. What's hard is what's to follow. Right. The law it's the lawsuits that will follow now. That's what's going to be difficult. Well, and the NCAA can still propose new rules that govern the educational benefits. So now, how broad, does that, how broad do they allow that to get, knowing that they need to tread lightly with the NIL that's coming into into play and the fact that they lost this vote nine nothing. We're talking as they about it. unintended consequences though. I can just imagine everything they come out with, they won't think through four steps down the line, right? And we're gonna sit here and have conversation after conversation about the new thing the NCAA comes out with 
that will look good on its face or that they'll have the best of intentions about that'll have four trickle-off unintended consequences that cause more problems. And it's a thing where you keep having to stop the blade. Okay, we fixed this problem and four other holes open in the dam over there. And you got to stick fingers in those. And then, you know, and it just goes forever. Well, I can see it just constant, constant. Well, that's, that's almost, you're making their argument. Their argument is we should keep the, the status quo so we don't have the trickle-off effect of all these different... Well, that's not the reason to keep the status quo, but it is a reason that's to, what they were arguing. to be far better than they are at having solutions, which to me means under new management and under new thinking, and I don't know that they're capable of those things. Well, they, they have said behind the scenes and just reading through this, they have been waiting on this ruling before they jump in on NIL and trying to manufacture their own terms of that. Uh, and you could you could say that the, there are so many cracks in that dam now that it, it's beyond repair state by state with what we're going to see. And, and that might be true. But they, they've been waiting on this ruling to determine the, the antitrust the portion of this before they jump in on the NIL so they know the structure and the boundaries for which to attack it. So they don't get sued from both ends. I simply don't know how you can go forward with NIL when it's different state to state. If I'm the NCAA, my first instinct would to be would be to say we can't do NIL as uh, as the NCAA well, until I, I all mean, the conferences at least have the same rules in their states. Then, then the NCAA goes away. Yeah, because yeah, the, the state laws. But are what do you do when Georgia has NCAA it? Laws. And I don't know what other states in the well, in the SEC don't have it. I mean, it's completely competitive. Yeah, well, that's that's why they have imbalance. to come up with a governing umbrella Principle. set of rules. Yeah. And right now, they don't have that. The argument of the NCAA to trump federal state laws is over. It yeah, ended right. yesterday. That, that's the key takeaway. The Supreme Court said, you can't continue violating antitrust laws. This is not allowed in any other industry but yours, and it's over. So Although, that's done. So the NIL laws, if it's legal in a state, the NCAA can't say, well, you can't do it and be an NCAA school because this state can't also. Either the states are going to have to get on board, or there's going to be a new NCAA. I would think the states would get this. on board, right? I don't know. I'm using Mississippi as an example. I'm imagining Mississippi doesn't have it for whatever reason. Some southeastern conference state doesn't have it, right? I would think that state legislature is thinking there's got to have some active people who are saying, Georgia has it. This is going to kill our, our recruitment to our schools. We've got to have it. Let's get going on this, oh, right? Yeah, th this, is, this is a message to the governing bodies of the state. Right. That says if you don't have it, you're you putting should, your schools at a competitive disadvantage. Um, and we may not be done with the court system as much as what we what we think based on. And I was reading the Associated Press uh, report this morning, where Mark Emmert and the NCAA's lawyers made a statement implying that their legal maneuvering with the Austin case was not complete because the Supreme Court encouraged them to take it back to a district judge to seek. Uh, interpretations of what they found and what they came back with on on the appeal. So here we go again, right? But it, how long do you sit around and wait if you're the NCAA? Because we've been down this path before and we know the result. And you're going to have seasons now, it feels like, uh, elements of seasons, plural, that wind up with some issues in limbo, right? And stuff being in limbo isn't good because people will push the envelope. But uh, the, so... Here's here's the counter to all this for all the all the NCAA is dead. Kids have been getting laptops and iPads for years, and this is still about educational benefits. This is not cash in a bag across the table in a McDonald's 
to go back. Yeah. Uh, th this is for educational per This has been going on behind the scenes for a long time. And now it's just at the forefront because the Supreme Court has ruled, yeah, in fact, you can do this. Well, I think it's two things melding. It's this and NIL. Right. NIL is separate. But the two of them at the same time. I, 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 I image likeness is from outside benefactors paying for that person yeah, to I, receive I understand, benefits. but I'm saying the two going on, this being in the headline and omnipresent and everybody's thinking, and NIL coming aboard at the same time, make it a real time of flux. Even though I, I don't disagree with what you're saying at all, but this is a big story, and NIL is a big story, and they're both going on at the same time. Well, and let's let's clearly differentiate for the audience because I, I've got, have received questions about this. What is this? You know, is this the same thing as charging for your autograph and making money? That's name, image, likeness. That is the ability for a student athlete to make money on the side based on their own name, image, likeness. So, selling your autograph, uh, doing advertisements doing things like this being to, to benefit game. personally right. from it. What we're talking about with the Supreme Court ruling is they can't withhold educational expenses right. to a student athlete. Because you're you can't athlete. stop a student athlete from getting a job or a paid internship. You can't withhold things like laptops from them. I saw but what it does also up is up to six grand in educational funds per per year for athletes. Um, for miscellaneous fund like expenses. I, I, I saw a tweet about that. I think the, the common misconception from people, and this is when you get people that don't understand business, that then want to argue this is what's fair in a free market for a business, a couple things arise. One is this idea that these colleges have all the money in the world. They don't. The athletic departments in many cases are breaking even because they're paying for Title IX sports. This is not as simple as, oh, they're printing money at Ohio State so they can pay everyone. Ohio State's going to drop sports if they start getting sued and have to settle out of court. Or if this starts happening. Or you start, if you want to pay your football team at Ohio State fair market value, if you're going to pay it at Tennessee and Alabama, yeah, all that money all you're talking those, about all is those schools way are losing sports. This is not an unlimited cash supply that people act like it is because sports cost money. But it's a lot schools. of these big universities are making money. Of course they're making, making money, money, but they're not making enough to pay every well, athlete. I, I agree. I, and it's, it's not going to continue. And again, if we're talking free market, it works both and ways. And what's the pay scale? It works both ways. You can't withhold pay to these kids. Well, guess what? I'm now operating a free market business. So see you later, gymnastics, because you're costing me money. That's the free market. That's the unintended side effect that people don't want to talk about. What about FCS programs? that are under NCAA rule. What about a school like an MTSU? These programs are going to hurt immediately with some of these expenses. There are schools out there that will have a hard time paying for laptops for every athlete on campus and paying for different things like this on top of a scholarship. Yeah, what's, Get ready. What, These are the things that are coming. What's going on in athletic directors' offices today in terms of what it does to their budget? Like, What's, They're going what's to the, the pace I mean, this? MTSU will just raise tuition prices. Yeah, That's what happens. And, and then the but common they can't raise student probably is hurt. Right now. The common student is hurt, but the, you just take out a student loan and the cycle continues. Yeah, and then, uh, well, and... What's the point? That's we, what happens. We can get into how, uh, you, do you really have to have a college degree now and how college admission is going to start going down with people because they don't want to take on debt? But that's a, another topic for I another mean, day. Uh, MTSU, just to localize it, and this is for state universities, um, and I had a family member that worked at a, at a financial aid portion of this, 
There, there is, it's earmarked in there, athletic budget, as part of every student's tuition that goes to that campus. Yeah, it's a line item. And so many hundred dollars per semester goes to pay for the scholarships of the players that are going through those programs. Major college football is going to be fine. This is, this is my broader point. The sports that make a ton of money at the top level in the Power Five will survive. Right, nothing's going to change for what you watch on TV this fall. Everything else is going to change. And the people that push for this for years are going to be to blame. And they're not seeing the unintended consequences. We can all look at it and say, obviously, they should get this. The NCAA should have given them this years ago. When it comes to educational expenses, a chance to get an unpaid internship, of course schools are going to use it to their advantage because the big booster that's got a big company, Pilot Oil is going to give $100,000 a year paid internships to the star quarterback at Tennessee. That's going to happen everywhere. That's better than bankrupting athletic departments, which could eventually happen based on the amount of lawsuits that are about to be filed. Can NIL kind of serve as a way to spread the wealth and reshape college football a little bit in a healthy way amid all this other stuff? It's a question I want to ask these guys as soon as we come back. But first, mydrhank.com slash outkick, the website. Uh, if you think you may be suffering from erectile dysfunction, look, it affects over half of all men. It doesn't have to make you feel like half of a man. Since 2017, my Dr. Hank has been making America hard again. My Dr. Hank helps you get low-cost ED meds and overcome the psychological and emotional barriers to getting ED treatment, all for as low as $2 per pill. No need to feel shame about this. No need to be embarrassed. As Hutton said, it affects over half of men out there. But if you want these, uh, you want the, a delivery that's going to be discreet for you, my Dr. Hank can take care of you. They're going to ship it to you discreetly from a pharmacy in the United States. And quite the offer. Yeah. 50% off your first subscription order, half price. Go to mydrhank.com slash outkick, mydrhank.com slash outkick, and you get 50% off your first go-around. This offer only available for a limited time, mydrhank.com slash outkick. Outkick 360, discussing amateurism, or the, the death of that for the NCAA and the pay-for-play. If we're getting to that extreme end of things, we're definitely going to see more name image likeness from state to state and educational benefits uh, monetarily, college to college now, based on the Supreme Court ruling that came down yesterday. Paul, pick up where we left off with the discussion. Well, Dan Wetzel is a great columnist at Yahoo. Uh, stumbled into a conversation he was having yesterday. His stance on NIL, I think, is pretty smart, but I don't know if I'm missing unintended consequences in what he's saying. He's saying, you know, if you're... He's saying NIL is great for big fish in small ponds, right? So why go to Alabama and be the 16th best guy if you can go somewhere else and be the first, second, or third best guy? You're going to have a hell of a better time promoting yourself and being a big shot on campus, being a big shot in town as the third best guy, or the first best guy on your, on your team, as opposed to being the 16th best guy in Tuscaloosa. Though certainly in Tuscaloosa, there's the opportunity for a lot, a lot of guys, right? Everybody's going to have everything. But if you go somewhere else and you're the best guy in town, isn't that going to be better for your, your profile on NIL stuff, name, image, likeness, advertising for a car dealership, whatever it is? And might that not help spread the wealth 
in terms of getting players more distributed around and kind of, uh, you know, taking Alabama's depth, which is this tall, and moving it down this way as those kids spread out to more places to take advantage. Now, I know the football trumps all and all of that, but as NIL grows, isn't that one of the potential benefits of it? It depends. I mean, uh, are there going to be other sponsors like Mercedes that are all in with Nick Saban? Uh, that may be spending more with Alabama than any other program and are willing to have, you know, the, the incoming freshman be a spokesman for their local dealership instead of the starting center that's a junior? Uh, uh, yeah, that's stuff that has to play out. But I do like the idea that if you go to, uh, I'm, I'm not thinking of the right, if you go to Houston, say, and you're the best guy at Houston as opposed to the 20th best guy at Alabama, you're in Houston which has a nice following in Houston, and you would be the guy in a damn big metropolis, the best college football player in a market See, like I, that, as opposed to the 25th best college think, football player in Tuscaloosa. It might be intriguing. Chad, correct me if, if you think I'm way off base here. I think this is more about making a profit off of your name, image, likeness than it is making a profit of off of just your name with an endorsement deal. I, I look at this like the guy can go down to the local mall and sign autographs and get paid for it. Yeah, all and, of it. It's, and it's if you're both. playing if you're yeah. the 20th guy at Alabama, you can charge just as much as the top guy at Houston for that. Yeah, I, I think what Paul is talking about, you guys are talking about two different things. The Paul is talking about the what how you recruit a player. So if you're at Tennessee and you've struggled for five years you could go to the same quarterback Alabama or cornerback Alabama's recruiting and say, hey, come to Tennessee. Our city's bigger than Tuscaloosa, and you're going to be the guy here. You'll be the 20th guy there. That may or may not work. And also, you may or may not make more money. Well, I'm saying, name, image, I'm, I'm also saying Tennessee's, <laughs> you're not going to hear this much, too close to Alabama. You know, SEC to SEC, and they play each year. Go smaller than Tennessee. Go. I don't think go, it works like that. I don't, I don't They've been trying that for years. Go to Minnesota. Yeah. Alabama has faced those critics in the past. Of you can come here and play, or you can go to Alabama and sit. Right, but and now there's more of a tangible. Uh, now I'm saying this adds to the tangible benefit of not going. To but there's Alabama. more money at Alabama, even as the 20th guy. I don't think there's anything stopping Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson the top dogs in college football, we're talking college right. football, for yes. instance, from continuing to dominate in whatever the rules are. Because the schools that have the most championships, that have the best coaches, that pay the most for coaches, um, they're still going to have an advantage over the uh, Kansas States of the world, for instance. And I think the problem with what you're saying about the big market guy, the Houston example, Paul, is Houston's like eighth in the city of Houston in terms of sports interest. So in Alabama, you say, yeah, it's Houston versus Tuscaloosa, but this is Alabama. Look at the entire population of Alabama and Alabama fans everywhere versus Houston Cougars fans everywhere. So it would still trump them. I do think it's interesting that if you are, I'll go back to Tennessee as an example. If you're Tennessee and you're recruiting an Arch Manning type to play for a Josh Heupel type, you could sell them making a hell of a lot of money because you could look at, hey, our fan base got a guy uh, unhired. You want to talk about passion? You want to talk about people that will spend money in name, image, likeness? This is a passionate fan base and a big market in the SEC that is desperate for you to be here. 
you could make three or four years and make a lot of money in name, image, likeness. I do think schools like that will have, if they position it right, will have an advantage over others. But I still don't see anywhere where Josh Heupel has an advantage over Nick Saban or Dabo Sweeney or Brian Day at Ohio State. Creates another arm to recruiting, maybe, in the long run, a marketing arm to it. But again, the marketing arms comes from, to me, the dollars of those advertising with the program. How many corporate sponsors are there for Alabama compared to Houston? Yeah, significant. I mean, Mercedes is attached to Nick Saban. Let's just start there. They're attached to the name of the coach. But I I agree with you on that. But there are other avenues outside of just the corporate sponsor for the team. That people have to be inventive and creative with, and, but the but the corporate sponsors are the team owners. Can gain, can gain ground on. I, I just think that this is going to uh, defeat every argument from the Supreme Court out there. Um, I preferred it when black markets ran uh, college sports. I mean, I, I, I would I would rather a guy uh, you know bring someone over to wash cars a little bit over the summer and pay him fifty grand because they were a star linebacker than colleges getting involved in this type of money. I think it worked out better that way. I think top college players in basketball and football have been making money more than what they're going to make now for years. And the athletes that sweat and toil and grind just like them, that play in sports that don't make money, haven't received anything on top of their scholarship money. And in most cases, that's not a full scholarship. And that's the way the free market has worked for years. And now when you do it in an official capacity, the free market that everyone argues for the athletes is going to work this way. The sports that were created by Title IX for everyone to have equal opportunity are gone. Mm. And they weren't gone with the old black market system of illegally paying players. I wonder about, like, and this may be a little uh, pie in the sky, you know, just more of a minor league. Not Minor's too weak of a word, but, you know, the Auburn football team as a subsidiary of Auburn where you could have two classes of football players, guys who want to come there and play college football and be students at Auburn, and guys who want to come to Auburn and play football. And could you meld those two classes of football players into a football team where for one guy it could be a college experience and for the other guy it could be a football playing experience with potential to, to go be a pro. And it could function both as a, an arm of the university for a true student athlete and a minor league experience for a wannabe NFL guy. That's and if, the, if, one, you know, if there's a wannabe NFL guy that wants to go to school, he could, he could do that too. See, well, let's play that idea out for a second. Let's say there's a salary cap of 10. You get 10 football only three basketball-only paid players that have no interest in school that are there to get to the next level. I'd go higher At every that, major but program. But let's just say okay. it's 10. You're going to have schools pushing to get 20. You're going to have schools illegally finding 20 of those Yeah, there guys. would still be 20 even though there's 10. Alabama's going to find a way to get 30 of those guys paid. And there's always, it's like the playoff argument. Are you going to argue over 8 versus 9 or 4 versus 5? You're still going to find ways to bend the rules oh, and, it's not and create just a system where you're getting I mean, your guys in there. Ole Miss would be doing that to stay ahead of Mississippi State. Of course. Right? It's Josh not just Dobbs, Alabama and Clemson. Josh Dobbs would still be a, a, a commodity in that system, would he not? Yeah, but the Josh Dobbs are rare, unfortunately. They're not rare across co- all college sports, 
but a starting quarterback in the SEC that is mainly focused on academics, that's an aeronautical engineering major. Well, uh, he's the that, extreme. That's, that's the extreme he's example. He's extreme. And he's a pro athlete but there now, are guy, There are guys who you know, have made a pledge to their parents or their grandparents that they're going to get a degree who are serious about going to college and playing football who could exist in what I'm envisioning if, in my fantasy land. If we just acknowledge the absurd more often, if the NCAA, this is, we're going to get back into the Vandy Whistler briefly later. This is what kills me about people. If you just acknowledged your own absurdity, we would not be here. We would not be here talking about the possible demise of multiple college sports. If you just said, you know, everyone hates us for not allowing our athletes to get a job. Maybe we should allow them to get a summer job. Maybe we should allow them to do these things. Maybe we should pay for their laptops and everything else. If you just compromised and we didn't, in every argument in this country, beat our damn heads up against the wall to commit suicide with our own argument, we wouldn't be in this spot. All but the it's all because of the NCAA. That's why there's no one's going to have sympathy for the NCAA. But they it's have all because they were so like stubborn. They've been stubborn. getting away with it for years and years and years, so why not argue it until it's gone? That's what they've done. Because they could have played it Because out. someone has to be smart enough, Hutton, to look at it and say, if this gets to the Supreme Court, we may be in trouble. There has to be one lawyer on retainer from the NCAA that says, guys, this isn't a close vote. It was 9-0. There are conservatives. There are liberal judges. on, the, And all nine of them agree that you're wrong. They should have had the foresight to say, maybe we should bend a little bit here with these absurdities and allow for this to happen. If a, a, guy, if a player's parent dies and they need a flight to the funeral, maybe we shouldn't make an NCAA violation out of that. Maybe we should allow for things like this. If they did that, we wouldn't be here. Well, let's say this. Because it never would have gotten the Supreme this Court. This lack of foresight, uh, NCAA is at the head of the line, but this is a sports business thing, right? Things are going well. You're making a lot of money. You don't foresee things. We've had a conversation for the last two weeks about the sticky stuff in baseball, and they don't want to foresee a problem coming, right? They, they just let, it, let things go because everything's going fine. None of these executives in these positions want to say, you know what, before we have a problem, let's deal with this. Like you're saying, Hunt, they, they play it out till the end. And then they go, okay, now what do we do? Well, but it, a little bit different because the business of college sports on the school and NCAA end is fine. Right. The product in football and men's basketball, the two sports that make the most money, totally fine. Right. Numbers for the NCAA scenes, tournament, totally fine. Going on. Baseball did this because their product was hurt and ball. people weren't watching as much and people were complaining about the product. So then they decide, oh, now let's look at sticky substances because it's an unfair advantage of, for the pitchers. But so there's a difference there. in that. Yes. Get out ahead of it. You know that there's something there, and you choose willingly not to do anything. See, here's why I think the Alabamas, the Clemsons, uh, the SECs, the Big 12s, the Big 10s will stay ahead of the Houstons. And it's not because that people don't have great ideas. It's because the money involved in these big-time programs, the smart money, and I believe in spending money to make money, OutKick does too. They, they will go and hire a Legends hospitality group or a Legends marketing firm, which is owned by Jerry Jones and, and the, the Yankees, Yankees Global Entertainment. They will go hire that marketing arm to control the NIL v 
stance for their program because they can afford it, because their quote-unquote team owners can afford it, whereas Houston won't be able to do that. Everything they're going to be doing will be down the hallway instead of out in L.A. or up in New York or wherever. That, that's the main difference here. Is it, that is how the, the haves will stay the haves instead of the have-nots. I, I agree with you to a degree, but some of these schools, I don't know which ones, I don't know who the best marketing schools in the country are, but they've got to have excellent marketing people at their schools. And they, they are feeding people to what you're talking right. about. So they should be good at it, too. Maybe not on par with the, the best marketing firms in the world like you're talking about. Well, there are good football players and great football players. And the great marketers will go work for the great companies that are then feeding back into the top programs, is my example here. Yeah. But the people who are being fed into those programs out of these universities, the new thinkers and the, and the next generation, could be starting at some of these schools. Well, I mean, where they could be coming up so with some but, of the ideas. But what does that mean? I mean, Jacksonville, the, the Jaguars, the Houston Texans have pro athletes, and they suck. Yeah. So what? Well, ultimately, what yeah, does that you've mean? Gotta be, you've got to be good. I don't know. I'm just saying I can envision a world where some campus right now that we're not thinking about gets very good at this. I hope so. Well... I, I, I think, you know, the, the, some campuses will find the Johnny football brand and market that, but where, is, where has that gotten Texas A&M? Yeah, I mean, I, Texas I mean, A&M is a high-profile school with a ton of money, but we haven't seen the marketing arm like Johnny Manziel presented, which, by the way, he, he admitted on Bussin' with the Boys that he accepted uh, payment for autographs. Yeah. Um, which surprises no one. Well, of course not. It was investigated then, but it was it made it out like he he got one hundred and fifty dollars and he made but thousands my, of dollars. My point is like where where has that where has that put Texas A and M in competition with Alabama? They're still right where they were. Well, not not advanced enough. I, I root for it to happen, right? I'm I'm rooting well, for it, something to happen to even things out, but to some degree. But for those rooting for it to happen, it's been happening, like that. Texas A&M has the what the top endowment or the second largest endowment? Yeah, yeah. in the, the SEC. conference. Well, I think I think you think they haven't been paying. It's Texas A&M or Vanderbilt. There's one or two. They may flip flop. I know Vanderbilt hasn't been paying. They're paying ten million dollars a year for their coach. I mean, they've been paying, and they're chasing Alabama, and they continue to do that. I mean, I meant Vanderbilt hasn't. But been I think paying. anyone. Oh, oh, right, right, right. Yeah, I mean, I think any any. And people are really confused about what I'm saying in our YouTube chat right now. They think that I don't think that players should be fairly compensated. I do. I'm simply saying fair compensation, there's an unintended consequence Changes by the whole that. Framework. Because the quarterback in an SEC school is worth a lot of money. And a guy who's not playing on Saturdays in an SEC school is not worth a lot of money. And they're, they're not going to get anywhere close to the same. And now people are going to argue... They deserve the same well, because they're working out. just as hard. And people work just as hard in other sports that don't make money. And not only will those people not be in line in a fair market to make what the football team makes, they're not going to have a sport. And this isn't, That's setting, up, and this isn't setting up payment for players. This is setting up educational benefits worth money for players. That's right. There's a big difference between because when we get to where you're, where, where the, these people are talking about, Chad, then you got a whole other problem about the quote-unquote salary structure. Chad, you, you brought it, you asked the question, like, if you're a coach or a president, what are you doing today at, like, a Conference USA school? I, I mean, 
I, I'm a fan of one of these teams, and I'm sitting here saying not everybody's created equal. And if the top programs break off and do their own thing, and you have a, a, a what is Division One right now cut in half, that may not be a bad thing for college sports in general. I mean, I mean, I'm, I I may sound callous in thinking that way, but. Uh, if MTSU has to drop down a level, if Western Kentucky has to drop down a level, so be it. Because right now they're a, a level or two below anyway, and they're struggling. This is um, yeah. This is something that I got from uh, uh, someone who uh, will remain nameless, but is a, a football ops director at an SEC school. Okay. Uh, who sent me this? Talking about NIL and the Supreme Court ruling. Do not neglect how this could negatively affect FCS programs who have less donors, cash flow, and resources. FCS programs still provide many with the opportunity to play college football and get an education. I know, to your point, Hutton, no one cares about the FCS. I know it's not as big time. I know you all recognize the value the FCS has. An FCS school gave me my start in college football. While I'm a fan of the NIL rulings in general, I'm fearful how it could impact most FCS schools. Would love y'all's take on it. Um, and he brings up a pro. He brings up the four FCS schools present in Middle Tennessee. Now, those schools aren't competing with the ones we're talking about for players to begin with. How would this, so the NIL I don't think has anything to do with it, because I think the players that are going to FCS schools aren't going to benefit from NIL no. either way. Right. But how does, if you are a cash-strapped university, if you are an FCS program that you're just skating by with your sports, how does your ability to compete with Jacksonville State if you're at Tennessee Tech or vice versa? Pick any. North Dakota State's ability to compete above and beyond um, Murray State in football. If one can afford laptops for everyone and can afford transportation or whatever educational costs are there, and then other schools just can't afford that for all their athletes, how does that negatively affect that, those schools and that program? I think that's a bigger question, one that we don't know because we're not sitting there in the budget meetings of all these schools to know how much it would cost a university to do that. But, I mean, it's a, it's a valid question. But, Hunt, to your point, you're right. I mean, we've talked about it for years. It's eventually going to be Power 5. Mm -hmm. We'll break off, and they'll be Division 1. Yes. And then everyone else will join the ranks of everyone else at that point. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. And if you create another level with that, I'm, I'm not against that either. Because the... A lot of these programs are scratching and clawing financially as it, as is. it is, and they're they're clinging to that Division One title just because of the the clout that comes with it, uh, and they're being used through the process. They're being used on the schedules to travel to these money makers to create a win, so that team can get another win in the column to go to the college football playoff, and you get a pay, which is expanding. So yeah, and you get your payout, and you survive. I mean, that's, that will be exactly what continues to happen. They'll continue to take their payouts and continue to cling on to the money tree that is the Power Five Conference. Right, but if that goes away as part of them dropping down a level, which I don't disagree with you about, that could be healthy. Well, FCS is, is still happening. Playing that they, game. Yeah, well, well, I mean, they're not – you're, you're now penalized for playing the FCS schools – for the college football playoff, and, and or you know, for strength of schedule. So, so if that game goes away, it or, doesn't count for you know. If that game goes away a, for the Power Five game. school, uh, the, the, they're losing that money. 
they're losing that money, but which is a big part of their budget. But That's more and more top programs now are scheduling within Division One anyway. Right, which I want. Schedules, which I want, but the unintended consequence. I hate those games. And, and more I have than long anybody. said, I have long but said, it is it is not the University of Tennessee's problem to find if Andrew. Austin P makes money or not. Oh, I agree. But how does Austin P then survive if it doesn't get that game? And I'm, I'm I looking, hate that I'm that's looking the way at this fine. from the athletic standpoint. Well, it's not. It's not. Not not from the state of Tennessee and the board of directors and the governing body of everything. It's not the University of Tennessee's priority to make sure Austin P is good. But on the whole, if you are the president of the University of Tennessee system, right, it is important to make sure your university system can be whole. And if that means that some are going to have to cut sports altogether because it's now costing them money, then that's probably what's going to happen. I've argued this about scheduling games. Is it, is it Tennessee's responsibility uh, to make sure that Furman gets a paycheck to come play them so they can fund their archery team? I don't even know if they have an archery team, but, but you get my point. My, that it's, is it's, my point. It's too. not, but I will say it does make more sense if you're going to play an FCS school to keep it in your state. And keep it in your state system if money's going to be changing hands to help those programs. But it's it's not. That's the, that's how they're staying afloat, though. Is my point. Yep. They they it, to me that they're <laughs> they're alive because of the Power Five. Right. There's got to be a better way. So I if you're arguing against the Power Five making money, you're you're cutting your own head off. And this goes back to my original argument. If we're going to keep going back to the free market antitrust laws, then that free market is brutal. Yes, I don't is. think people understand how brutal it Starbucks is. Starbucks is taking think, out local think coffee about, shops. Think about the countless at-risk kids that are in tough situations that are getting full rides to go play FCS-level football. And now think about those FCS, level, those FCS teams that are staying afloat in many ways because of these Power 5 teams scheduling them. Well, sure they are. Now once they go away, that's an unintended consequence that bears out over a lot of programs. So you can, I'm, I'm with you. Top-level college athletes should be compensated because they're making their schools a ton of money. That is the free market. That's what's fair. You can't make all this money off unpaid labor. But sports are going to be lost. Uh, scholarships are going to be lost. The opportunity for kids to go get a college education going to be lost in many circumstances. The top-level schools are making money anyway, hand over fist. The lower-level schools are losing money anyway based on the current structure. And to me, we're so blinded by the argument of whether or not top players should get paid that we're missing the fact that billions are being made anyway by the Power Five. That millions are being made off TV contracts annually by the Power Five. And meanwhile, I mean, just compare, compare the money for the SEC school compared to Conference USA, TV revenue-wise. Conference USA gets around $300,000 per team per year for their television contract. Say that again. Around three hundred thousand per season for CBS Sports Network or whatever it was at the time. And that's it. That's it. Amongst all those three hundred thousand dollars per school. And that's the core of their athletic budget. Yes, they and, not and, their football. Budget, and at one time, it, at one time, it was a million dollars per school, and it's dropped that much within the last five to seven seasons because it's just not valuable because everyone's flocking to the Power Five anyway. So if we're arguing whether or not the top players should be compensated for playing at those top schools and you're arguing against it, you're missing the fact that the Alabamas of the world are making millions upon millions either way. It's still not going to your school, only if you play them. 
the biggest payday though is not the TV contract. It's playing Alabama and taking your seventy-five to nothing loss. And getting what nine hundred one point two something somewhere like that. in that yeah. And basketball teams eight hundred uh, million five. <laughs> basketball teams get the opportunity to go play a lot of big schools and get a nice paycheck to go play one basketball game. And sometimes and sometimes season. you schedule a. a Two and one, where you get another home game and you get the home gate revenue. It's from not it. a great system, but it has sustained all of this. Well, stuff it's a great system for the NCAA. Yeah, the NCAA. Uh, there, there are people bathing in money. Mark Emmert received a contract extension, it's and literally awesome. the only thing that the NCAA does well is the college basketball tournament. That's it. They they take their time when they want to take their time on rules and regulations and enforcement. They allow the media to do many of their investigations. Yahoo Sports has been the investigation arm for the NCA for years. And meanwhile, Mark Emmert's getting contract extensions. It's a good set it's been a good setup for the NCAA, no doubt. I think it's also been a good setup for college sports at the lower levels because the system has provided an opportunity for a lot of people to get scholarships also. Well, it's been largely now, we'll a good see, setup we'll for fans who want to sit down and watch Power 5 football. But it still will be. Or, and, and, the, uh, and, and the, the March Madness. But it's not a good system for a dad who wants his daughter. Uh, it's not going to be a good system for the dad who wants his daughter to be able to play field hockey at Richmond. But again, that's not the um, to me. That's not the quarterback in Texas's problem. No, no, it's not the quarterback in Texas's problem. But it is a problem for the somebody, and that's uh, how do you fix it? That doesn't. There are no easy answers. Uh, to me, it's a problem either way, though, because these 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 schools are struggling as it is. I mean, we, we even saw Stanford cut athletics, and they brought them back. The Olympic sports, yeah. they brought Stanford, them back. Stanford, like the king They're of Olympic it. sports, the king. I mean, if you if you have to name one school in the country thinking about Olympic sports, wouldn't it be Stanford? Yes, yes. But my, the, my point overall, though, is to me that the struggle is real, whether or not the Supreme Court made this ruling yesterday or not. Yeah, it's quiet. It's more quietly real without this. Well, it's the big no, secret that they don't want to talk about because they're making billions off of the structure that's currently in place, and they'll lose a few million off of, off the top of uh, the the NIL and everything else involved now. Well, yeah, because they've got and to buy uh, computers. Uh, well, but they're not just, even asking them to fund the internships, right? We're just allow. We're asking them providing. to allow the. Yeah, you're the, providing the internships. Somebody what, else is paying. Chad, help me with this. And and in reading through this, I was thinking about this last night. Is there anything to stop, and it could be any school. We've used the SEC a lot here. Let's use Indiana. Is there anything to stop Indiana from going to Apple and saying, we're going to give you naming rights of our stadium if you supply every athlete with the latest iPad every year? No. Nothing. No. I, I would be lining up for that. But can't they do better than that? Well, I, I mean, we're getting really into the weeds now with that on, on what they can do. But, I mean, that's getting, good. I like to hear. Yeah, I mean, there's well, no, there's nothing. There's nothing outside stopping. the box here, and the, the, it's a. There's yes, there's a lot of things the schools could do, and I again, I think the top schools will be fine, but when the baseline is, we've laughed at the NCAA throwing out these tropes of we're about the student athlete, right? All these athletes are education. going pro and something else. It's about education and the student athlete, amateurism, and this and that. Now we laugh at it, but the fact that they were able to carry on that ruse for years and years led to Title IX, led to a lot of opportunities for scholarships in multiple sports at many schools, regardless of how stupid it was, and arbitrary their system was. It did lead to a lot of that. 
when you make the baseline free market and what makes money and what doesn't, there are going to be some cold, hard realities that are now going to be in play. So if football is, there's going to be a lawsuit that's going to open it up for football players to be paid. Revenue generating sports to be paid by the universities. These schools don't have an unlimited supply of money. Now could they go partner with a corporation that sponsors them and helps with that? Yes. Could that deal with Apple for Indiana? maintain their swim program? Yes, it could. But what also could happen is, all right, you want to play hardball, kids, with the free market? We're only going to have football and basketball because that's what we can afford to pump all of our resources into, pay our players what they're worth, and do all this. That's not where we are today, but we are four or five big lawsuits away from getting to that point where they're actually going to be compensated for their play. And Brett Kavanaugh invited that yesterday. He said, if you want to have some lawsuits, come on. This is the ruling. This is what you can do. But again, not just football and basketball. Football, basketball, and enough to fulfill Title IX. Keep in mind, though, that some of these conferences that cry poor are paying their coaches upwards of 800 to a million dollars That's something it should affect. It should affect coaches' salaries. But Conference USA is the one I'll use as my example. Two, three years ago. We had Butch Davis in Conference USA. Lane Kiffin was in Conference USA. Uh, Bill Clark at UAB. All these hot names. Uh, Skip Holtz was in Conference USA. All the, and, and, and by the way, I'm talking about Florida Atlantic, North Texas, Louisiana Tech, MTSU, uh, UAB. East Carolina. Uh, I mean, East Carolina. Uh, this is the level that everyone's talking about crying poor and not being able to sustain they're paying upwards of a million dollars per season to their coaches to coach their programs. I mean, that, that continues. And they that do, will continue. They do it under the, the, the whole, this ruse of cost of doing business. That's the, that's the going rate for a coach. That's the market. That's the cost of doing business. My argument is the cost of doing business now could become, after a few lawsuits, uh, cutting sports. Well, that, okay. That's the cost of doing business. The, but, but that's also telling us how much money they're actually making through their football program. Yep. But we know that. And we know how much and networks are paying but, in television rights for the major conferences to have football. To me, that won't change. That won't change. But when you get hit with a couple lawsuits and you have to go back and pay athletes who've already played, it's going to change. These schools have a lot of money. It's not an endless well. It's an endless well in the TV contracts. But the lawsuits are, are keep against the NCAA, aren't they, aren't they not? It, it, I think it that's could not be. where it ends. I could go. I, I use example These earlier. Lawsuits are against NCA, not the University of Tennessee. But what if the Correct. Fab Five now yes. comes and says, "We made a ton of money for Michigan, not just in our time there, but what we did for the program." They craft a lawsuit against Michigan. Against you Michigan can sue for anything. You can sue win. for anything. If you got all these Doors college athletes at 30 different schools together and filed a class action suit, we are suing these 30 institutions, named the top 30 college football programs in America, and you've got 100 players, past and present, from those schools to file a class action lawsuit against Ohio State and Texas and Texas A&M and Tennessee and Georgia and Florida and the NCAA, and said, as an NCAA member, you willingly participated in things that violated antitrust law. And the Supreme Court of the United States has argued that and said it. I am owed this much in damages. If that happens, and if they have to settle, or if they win, it is going to have lasting implications on those colleges. 
in a lot of sports that aren't football and basketball. Football and basketball will survive, but it could have damages elsewhere. But uh, but as a university, all to defend myself, I would just simply say that I'm I'm working within the framework of what the NCAA allowed. Your issue is not with us. Correct. If we would have paid you, we would have been given the death penalty. That's fine. But there are lawsuits out there where you can sue a parent company and where you were. And both could be... I have to answer for could it. it be, there could be punitive problems for both. So if you're, vi- if you're knowingly in an institution that has been violating antitrust law, you could sue that institution and the one knowingly... But in it was that, upheld in, in, in court that. previous to this ruling yesterday. I am not saying they would definitely win. I am saying I can sue for anything, and you could settle out of court for anything. I mean, that's the, that's the reason why they took it to the Supreme Court was based on a previous ruling from in the eighties. Previous in ruling that Kavanaugh said was wrong in nineteen eighty-four. Right? And it, was, it also had to do with something different than what they were talking about today. It was from nineteen eighty-four. Coming up, the Tennessee Power Hour, and we get into Tennessee fans and their feelings. Chad Withrow takes the stand coming up on OutKick 360. Hey, it's Jonathan Hutton. Thanks for listening to OutKick 360. Be sure to subscribe to the show to have the latest podcast delivered to you each and every day. And give us five stars. It helps us grow our network and provide you with more great podcasts like this one.